So it sounds like you kind of did that and you were like, no, the foundation is crumbling. I have to deal with that first. Yeah. If a cute boy comes to help me and like stops by and brings brownies while I'm building the foundation, I will take a brownie, but I'm not going to stop what I'm doing for him. And I don't need him because I'm building the foundation. Hi, I'm Dahlia. I'm not your therapist, but I am a dating coach, a matchmaker, and your new best friend when your real best friend just doesn't want to listen to you anymore. So let's have it. Listener question, I had someone reach out to me and say, I just had my second rejection in 24 hours after first dates that were objectively very good. I can't keep doing this. It's driving me a bit mad, I think. And I can totally understand this. I prodded a little bit more and this person, both the dates they were talking about where the person didn't want to go on a second date were really fun. They made out. They went from place to place. They spent a really long time together, seemed like romantic and exciting and fun and just hit it off and then got rejected by both people when asking for a second date. Um, One quick tip I would give, and I'm sure I've said this before, but I'll say it again, is keep your first dates to two hours or less. Two hours is kind of ideal. Two hours, two drinks. Um, If you put more time in than that, I can understand how that would start to get exhausting. And even if you are having the time of your life, save it. Save a little surprise, save a little mystery. Don't give it all away on the first date. Let them want more, leave them wanting more. So keep it to two hours, give yourself something to do after if that helps. Also like be a person with a life. If you're just too readily available and you're like, yep, my whole evening's free, come over to my house, play with my dog, let's go to another place. There's nothing challenging about that and everyone wants to feel like they have to earn a place in your life. So if you're just totally free, and this isn't about playing games or playing hard to get, but it's, you know, value yourself, value your time. This is a person you just met. There's not really a reason to spend more than two hours. I don't care how fun it is. But also, if you have a super fun date the first time, it's like five or six hours, how can your second date or any date after that possibly live up to your first date? Don't you want to be going up instead of down? I think so. So keep it to two hours, no matter how good a time you're having. I am having the best time with you. I can't wait to see you again. I promised my friend I would meet them for a drink or I have to get up early in the morning or you know what? You don't even need an excuse. It's time for me to go home. I've reached my limit. Okay, go home. Like value yourself, value your time, and then you won't get quite as exhausted or burnt out from going on these amazing dates because there will still be something left. You won't blow your entire load on the first date and you'll be excited for the second or third. If the person feels like they already saw all of you, yeah, they might be like, okay, I get it. But you want to leave them wanting more and you don't want to tire out and burn out yourself. And on that note, we have a very exciting guest today who we will talk about just that burnout and how you can kind of deal with it. So I hope this helps. Two hours or less for a first date. Leave them wanting more. Leave you wanting more and go take care of yourself. Get some rest and hydrate. Hi, I am here with Casey Main. Very, very excited to have you. Gonna read little quick, short, quick bio. Casey Main released her debut book, I Gave Up Men for Lent, the story of a jaded, hopelessly romantic, health-conscious party girl search for meaning in February 2019, which is very recent. Um, you are from Florida. You live in Florida, but you've been traveling a lot, doing promotion for your book. As I understand it, you had like kind of a normal office job, and then you were like, I want to be a writer, and wow, took a leap of faith and wrote this book, which was about giving up men for Lent, um, and also some other things as well, is what I understand. 
Yep. Did I get all correct. that right? You're 35. Yeah, pretty much, Seth. You're a woman yep. identifying person, and you have yes. gorgeous, curly, strawberry blonde hair. We both are not wearing makeup. We feel great. <laughs> We're talking to Casey in Florida, um, and I'm so happy to have you. So thank you for coming on. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. I'm so curious about this book. So obviously I was being a good podcaster, doing a bit of homework, listening to you on other people's podcasts, and you kind of jump right into this book, giving up men for this amount of time to kind of focus on yourself or whatever. And you talked a lot about, um, well, we'll get to that. I won't say that right now. Okay. So my question for you to kick it off is because I'm a dating coach and Mm -hmm. I work with a lot of people and kind of one of my main goals with working with people is to get them to not give up. And to get them to, I call myself a tough love cheerleader, but Mm -hmm. it's like everyone gets to that point where they're like, I can't do this anymore. I'm going to delete all my apps. And they go to this extreme place of cutting everything out, cutting men out, not wanting to date. And I'm kind of there to be like, you don't have to be going on six dates a week, but do you have to be completely going cold turkey either? Because what that usually leads to is then, oh, a month or so later, they're like, I haven't been on any dates. My time is passing. I'm wasting time. I need to find someone. And then they re-download all the apps and then they get right back into it again. So I'm very curious how kind of like cold turkey went for you, why you did it, your thoughts behind it, et cetera. Yeah. So I I kind of did exactly what you tell your clients not to do. Um, and, And really the reason I wasn't even dating a lot. Like I wasn't on a bunch of the apps and, you know, exhaustingly going out on a million dates. I more just had this really kind of rough relationship history and really by no one's fault, but mine, but I had, um, this history of these long and exhausting and like very emotional and very traumatic relationships. And, and I just kind of got to this point where I'm like, oh my God, like I, something's got to give. Like I just felt very negative about everything. So I think I was probably in a similar mental space as all your clients who get to this point of being like, you know what, like F it. I don't want to do it anymore. Like this isn't working. And you just kind of, you know, delete all the apps. So my version of that was just, I, I need a break from all of it. Because even if you're not on the apps, the, the mental energy we all put towards it is exhausting. I mean, anywhere you go, you're kind of scanning the room for young, attractive guys and you to look at their ring finger to see if they're married. And, you know, you, if you're in your early thirties or mid thirties, like I was at the time, you have nonstop family and friends asking you like, well, why aren't you married yet? Haven't you found anybody, you know? And it's just, it makes you feel like shit. So I, I did. So I felt like shit essentially. And so I decided to, to just kind of give it all a break. And Lent was coming up and I grew up Catholic. I'm, I'm by no means religious, but I did always love the concept of giving up something for Lent because it's just this short defined window of time. I'm pretty competitive. So I'm like, I can do anything for 40 days. So I decided to give up men and then I didn't want to seem super negative and jaded. So I added into that, um, social media, hard liquor and sweet. So I gave up essentially four things for Lent. And I kind of joked that they were all the, the double-edged, double-edged swords of my life. And I really, I didn't have a whole lot of expectations going into it. But what it ended up being was just this time of self-reflection 
where for the first time ever, I really kind of gave myself some time and space to try and understand my life and my current mental state and how I got there and, you know, what I wanted for my future. And so I think I went the extreme route of doing that. I since believe that, you know, you don't necessarily have to do something like that. So, you know, your advice to your clients to keep going, I, I think is good advice, but it's just when you start to feel really negative, you kind of take that and, and ask yourself why. And, you know, if the answer is something like, oh, because I'm single, that's not the answer. It's, it's deeper than that is really what, what I came to understand. And so I think people who are feeling like they want to give up, it probably doesn't have something to do really actually with the dating world. It's more their feelings about the dating world and, you know, what's behind that. Like, is there issues with, um, you know, self-love or feeling unworthy or, you know, you're still punishing yourself for your past or whatever that might be. So how did it, what did you, this is a stupid question, but what did you kind of like fill your time in your head with during that time? What did you substitute? Because it's true. We all, especially social media, I can't imagine, like, did you read novels? Like, what did you meditate? Like, how, you know, because we all, we love, we do love these distractions and we love these activities and and things to fill our mind and our time with and I would agree with you it's not always good in fact one of the things you said on one of the podcasts I was listening to was kind of like there's no really such thing as multitasking we've just convinced ourselves that we're doing that when what we're really Mm -hmm. doing is like a lot of things not very well and quickly Mm -hmm. and so even as I heard you saying that I found myself like okay while I'm listening to this I should be responding to my Instagram messages. And I I was like, why? Mm -hmm. Like I can do that later, you know, and Mm -hmm. it's just going to make me feel stressed out. I'm not really going to be listening to the podcast. I'm also not really going to be responding to the mess, you know, so that's interesting to me. So what did you kind of like, what did that month or 40 days look like? Also, like had a guy approached you in that time, would you have been like, I'm not really doing it right now. Come back to me and, you know, at the end of Lent or how would you have handled that? Did that happen? I guess. Yeah. So I, um, so there weren't any, I I don't think that I was approached or hit on by any, any new guys during that time. Um, or actually I was at the very end and spoiler alert, I I fail a little bit. Um, but throughout, throughout Lent, um, I didn't, I didn't meet a lot of new people probably because I wasn't really going out. Um, but had I, I would have said something along the lines, or my plan was to say something along the lines of, you know, I'm not dating right now. Contact me, you know, after Easter or after April 16th or whenever it was um, during that time. And I did hear from um, from an ex-boyfriend, um, from an ex that him and I had a pretty long history of back and forth, and we weren't communicating when I made this decision. And so then, of course, he resurfaced when I'm, you know, in this time period of, of having given up men. So, and that was a relationship that um, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that kind of, it's like you always go back to it. Like I, I joke in the book that he's like my Mr. Big in Sex in the City, that I just, no matter what happens, I always went back to him. So for me to kind of say no to him for the first time ever, you know, was a, was a big step for me. So I think that that kind of outweighs the fact that then I did technically fail at the end. with. It's okay. <laughs> I think, well, that was another thing that I thought of with all this stuff is like, on the one hand, I love when people come to me and they're like, I want to figure out what I'm doing wrong. I want to get better. I want to improve myself. I think that's great. On the other hand, 
I'm like, you're not always doing something wrong. And we mm -hmm. have a real tendency, even if it's with things that are good, like giving up social media, taking time for yourself, unplugging, taking time away from sweets. Like, when does that in itself become another uh, distraction or like thing that we're dependent on? And, and I think we, with social media too, like it's almost like on social media, seeing you know, memes about giving up social media. It's like everything mm -hmm. becomes yeah. <laughs> a way that you could be better than you are. And to me, that's very yeah. stressful in itself. It's like, you should do this, so you should be less stressed. And it's like, but I'm stressed thinking about all the ways I'm more stressed than I should be. How do we know, like, how did you identify the things you needed to kind of take a break from? And then how did you yeah. not, in addition, feel kind of stressed about that? <laughs> Yeah. So like I consider it like trying to find balance and it's something that I've struggled with my entire life, which is kind of the subtitle of the book. You know, it's like a bunch of, of opposites and I'm, I'm always searching for balance. So that was my justification for quote unquote failing at the end was realizing, okay, this whole process was actually much bigger than just giving up, you know, these random four things. And so, you know, I don't necessarily want to live too far in that extreme either. Mm -hmm. And I think that Ultimately, it, it comes down to, to finding that that balance and that kind of intersection between things. So it's like, yes, you maybe have things identified that you want to do to grow and better yourself, yet at the same time, just accept who you are and where you are in that process. And it's, it's like such a delicate balance between the two, but I very much believe that it exists. So like that... Right. That ultimately, I think, is, is what we all need to find because, you know, when you're in the dating world and, and things aren't going your way and you start to think, like, what am I doing wrong? You know, one of the questions that I've, I've heard you ask on a prior podcast, why does it, why does it matter? Like, why? It's like because we're, we're allowing those things to define us. Like, we're allowing that somebody didn't respond to a text message or somebody didn't want to go on a second date with me um, or, you know, didn't also swipe right with me. Like we're allowing that to, def to define us on some level. So it's like, that's why we care so much where if totally. we can stand like firmer in who we are and feel good about who we are and trust where we are in the process, then when those little bits of quote unquote rejection come, like they don't rock our boat so much. Right, exactly. And I do think, you know, we are both 35 years old. I do think a lot of this too, like, does come with, there's just hopefully something that happens to you if you're an aware person who's asking these questions where you're like, it becomes less like, why didn't he like me? Why wasn't I good enough? And more like, it, it wasn't a match and there's nothing wrong with me. It's just... I was not the one for him and I will be the one for someone else. And I don't have to turn it into, well, it's good to reflect on your habits and the kind of people you're picking and all that. It's okay to also be like, nothing was wrong. It just wasn't it. And I'm moving on right. to the next one. Exactly. And I think you just, I think you have to reach this point, like this relationship with yourself in order to really do that. And like, those are lessons I learned the hard way in my relationships in my twenties, because I, I, I took everything, you know, so personally and that, you know, it's like if somebody 
didn't want to be with me. I thought that, you know, meant that there was something wrong with me. And then I, you know, I wanted these relationships to work so badly that then I kind of lost my footing of who I was because I didn't want to be rejected. And so there's just, there's so many elements of your relationship with yourself that then play out in your relationship with others. So I think you have to first identify what those are and be, be aware and willing to work on them because they're going to continue to come up in relationships, but it's like, that's how you can get to a healthy spot with yourself that then you can be in the dating world, which, you know, can be difficult, but, but much less upsetting if you're just kind of in a better place with yourself. Totally. So do you think was a lot of this work kind of done before you went cold Turkey or did the cold Turkey really kind of like shock you into understanding this? Like what kind of role did it play in your journey? It definitely shocked me into understanding it because I, when one of my prior relationships ended, I would just, you know, move on, but I wasn't really moving on. I just didn't deal with it. Like I never recognized the pain. I didn't really kind of have any postmortem of like, okay, like what went wrong here? And, you know, what role did I play in it? And, and just, you know, give it its due diligence of like, what was this relationship and why did it end? And so for years, I never did that. I just never thought back through everything. And I never processed a lot of, I guess, pain. And it wasn't just the relationships I was in. It was even how they affected all my other relationships. So, you know, with my family and with my friends, because as a lot of people know, if you're in a relationship, like a romantic relationship that maybe isn't the healthiest, your friends usually know, and they're usually not real happy about it. And so it can cause distance or it can cause issue within those friendships or within your family relationships as well. So I just hadn't dealt with all of that. I kind of just was like, I'm fine. You know, I'm this strong and independent woman and I'm fine. But really, I just wasn't processing it. Did you come to this decision because of therapy? Are you a therapy person? A lot of people in LA are in therapy. So I assume everyone's in therapy, but I know not everyone is. So tell me. I am, I am not in therapy, nor have I, have I ever been. Um, but I probably should have been for the majority, if not all of my twenties. And honestly, I think the reason I never went that route is because even going to therapy is the step of realizing you're in control, like it's, it's on you. And for so long, I kind of played this victim role in, in my relationships of like, oh, well, you know, this boyfriend didn't choose me. And, um, that was kind of the common theme of like, they didn't choose to be with me. So going to therapy would, you know, be some admission of, you know, there's something wrong with me or I'm, I'm playing a role in this. And I had just, I wasn't, I guess during the time I wasn't aware, I wasn't ready to do that. And then during the Lent where I gave up all those distractions and kind of started all this self-reflection, that's when I really realized that pattern. And I mean, you can't change something if you're not aware of it. So that was a, that was a huge step for me. Totally. And by deciding to give those things up, you were kind of inherently saying, okay, I'm ready to admit that I am at least part of the problem. Yes. Um, was your ultimate, like, cause it sounds like you were on a little bit of a, like wanting another relationship, but you also sound like maybe you were kind of a serial relationship person. So you were kind of, what was the breaking point that made you be like, something needs to change? Was it like, okay, gotta get a good relationship or was it like, okay, gotta be good 
without a relationship? What was the... The the breaking point, which really kind of gave me the idea to give up Men for Lent, was I went out with a really good guy friend of mine. Um, and we got drunk and we made out. Innocent enough, except he had a girlfriend. And I knew mm-hmm. her. And I just... After that... And then I, I found myself still going down my similar like mental spirals of you know, being upset that he didn't want to like end his relationship to be with me, but then being like, okay, hold on. Do I even want to be with this person? But it's like, I never, I never would stop and ask myself that and, and figure out if I really wanted to be with somebody or if that relationship was right for me, because I was so focused on whether or not they wanted to be with me. Mm-hmm. So I love I, that. Yes. Yeah. I had realized that. And then when this happened, I still mentally went down this road of, well, you know, maybe I'm not giving him enough of a chance and I don't understand why he wouldn't want to break up with his girlfriend and be with me. And then it was just, I caught myself doing that and I'm like, Oh God, like this has got to stop. So, um, that was, was that was the the incident that really brought me to to giving up men for Lent. I love that. I mean, I talk about that a lot of like, I think we get this end goal in mind of a relationship or boyfriend or girlfriend. And rather than when we are excited about a new person, rather than being like, okay, let me find out if they're actually a good match for me if they're actually going to be the right person and make my life better or just like I see the goal at the end of the horizon and I have to just get to it through whatever means necessary and we've all been there of just like it's not it stops being about finding what's best for you and it starts being just like let me prove to them that I'm I'm the best for them and let me achieve this thing that everyone wants and everyone says they want and everyone's supposed to want Instead of actually paying attention. And that's why I always say um, that people should wait at least three months before even allowing someone to be their significant other. Even if everything's perfect from the first moment. Mm-hmm. I'm like, it takes three months for that newness to like start to wear off and for you to see the person as something other than this new, exciting person in your life and for you to see like are they a person that I like in every situation that I like around my friends that Mm -hmm. I can live with that I can be with when it's not just like exciting and new and I I say like you should not allow yourself to call them your boyfriend or whatever until you've spent at least three months with them agree and I I think we also really have to pay attention to how we feel because I think we can get so focused on like you said the end goal but then also kind of weighing somebody against whether or not they check all the boxes we kind of had on our resume of what like Mr. Wright would look like. And, and maybe somebody checks all those boxes, but like still pay attention to how you feel because I, I think there's a lot of insight there. And cause sometimes those little red flags are so easy to quiet and ignore because, oh, but, you know, he has the job he's supposed to have and, you know, he gets along with my friends and he's the right age and and all of that. But ultimately, like, those boxes aren't what's going to make it last the long haul. It's your your actual connection. And even further than that, and this is kind of where I was, I think it's very difficult to pay attention and, and understand how you feel with somebody else if you're just not in touch with your own feelings to begin with. And I think I wasn't because of all these years of being like, I'm just not going to kind of process everything that happened in that relationship and just move on to the next because, you know, time's ticking and I've got to find a man. Yeah. And I don't want to be alone. And I I like, usually I am anti 
the idea of red flags, but I like the way you used it in that I think people think of red flags as like, he's an actor or like he, I heard you talking about this on another podcast. He has roommates or Mm -hmm. like he, you know, used this emoji that I hate or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, exactly. And I'm like, that's not a red flag. A red flag is like, he has an anger problem Mm -hmm. or like he has an alcohol problem or, you know, he's cheated on his last 12 girlfriends. Like those to me are red flags. And those are what you need to pay attention to more than the job requirement, the living situation requirement, the money requirement, the car requirement, whatever it is, those are not red flags. Like to me, a red flag, there are only, there are very few of them and they really do relate to how you feel. Do you feel safe? Do you right. feel, do you feel valued and respected? Do you feel comfortable to be yourself? Yeah. Or do you feel like you're walking on eggshells? Or, you know, are you, do you feel like you have entertaining and fun conversation with this person sober because a lot of times the dating world can exist in in drinking environments which adds this whole other element and I mean Mm -hmm. you know I can talk to anybody after a couple drinks and you know not even realize it if it's not an engaging conversation because it is to me and so I think it's it's really important to like be in touch with with that within yourself so that you can recognize if something's missing with somebody else totally so where are you now so you failed at the end of it Mm -hmm. and then i assume this was like what a year ago or something that you did this 2017 so two years 2017 okay cool so and i find i want to ask you like why the sweets why the hard alcohol i can kind of guess like probably hard alcohol you make more bad decisions than if you're just drinking a glass of wine although i can make bad decisions on it clearly anything um (laughs) but and the sweets was that just kind of like another coping thing you had to make yourself feel good no that was really more um I had some kind of specific health goals before I went on a cruise with some friends in April I was trying to get to like a certain body fat percentage and I have a sweet tooth so it's just easier for me if I kind of cut it all out together because you know who can only eat one Oreo. So no. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Wow. (laughs) Specific body fat percentage. That sounds stressful. Like I will say like some of listening to you and the kind of thing that you've achieved now in your state of like presence and awareness, it sounds great. It also sounds to me kind Mm -hmm. of stressful. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's (laughs) more like now I look back on that process and I wouldn't change anything about it because it was great for me, but I don't like I didn't really do much for Lent this year. Like now I'm I'm trying to be more in this just accepting where yeah. I am because yeah. it I think that's a healthier place to be. But I think so much in life is almost like a pendulum. So it swings one way and it swings the other way and then you kind of slowly find that middle. So I think I lived life very far to one extreme, so then kind of cut it all out to try and slow the swinging of that pendulum and get to a place where I'm just, you know, because I even went to the extreme then after Lent ended, because then I did get into meditating, and so then I tried to meditate every day, and then I found myself stressed out if I stopped meditating, and then I'm like, hold on, this is completely like against the point if I'm stressed out about the fact that I didn't meditate. So now, now I, I agree with you that those things that we put too many parameters on ourselves, it can get a little bit stressful. But I think sometimes if you've been living in one extreme for so long, you maybe need to experience that other extreme before you can find your middle. I would agree with that. And I think that's a really interesting 
I feel that I'm in a similar place to you now of like, you kind of go through phases of your life of like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be better. I'm gonna improve everything about me. I'm gonna schedule in time for myself. I'm gonna eat healthier. I'm gonna sleep more. I'm gonna, and then you kind of learn to, yeah, sometimes I'm gonna do that. And other times I'm gonna totally not do that. And Mm -hmm. it's that whole idea of like, you know, you've really changed your eating habits when you can like fall off and get back on. It's Mm -hmm. not about this extreme going one way. And then if you mess up one day, you're completely off the wagon and coming back. I feel like a good thing that can happen that you've shown after you do this more extreme is kind of saying, okay, I did that, but it almost turned into another Another way of attaching for me and stressing myself out and striving for this perfection. So what if I, I have days where I catch myself on social media for like, a way too long time swiping and then I'm like okay that's enough for the day we're just not gonna even go on there anymore mm-hmm. or you know as you know you eat or drink way too much one day next day probably don't do that but yep. but I think there's something so powerful in trying out all extremes and then landing in a middle ground where like you don't beat yourself up you don't set rules for yourself one day will be great, the next day not so great, but great in another way. Right. And that can kind of, and to bring it back to dating, once you can accept those imperfections about yourself, other people will too, yeah. you know? Because you're not giving off the like, I'm not happy with where I am and like, I need you to fix me and tell me who to be. Right. Kind of vibe. And that's where I think there's also, it's a, it's a very subtle difference, but it's an important difference between accepting and then not caring. You know, right. Because you can, yes. um, let's say, you know, you have these things about yourself that maybe you don't love and, you know, you can be like, oh, well, I, you know, I don't care. Like with this kind of negative connotation of like, well, somebody else has to just get over it. Like, I, you know, I don't care versus I accept who I am and everything about me and it's all fine. And somebody else will accept that as well. And while I'm accepting, I'm still acknowledging that there are things I could work on that are yeah. like doable for me but that are not beating myself up about where I am not exactly and then where so where are you at now so like what's your story so I am in a relationship now um it's it's very serious it's going really well Uh, but I will say so after Lent um I really I then didn't date for a while not really intentionally because I you know given up men I think I just really realized I needed to get to this better place within myself and not so insecure, which was a difficult thing for me to realize because I've always been, I mean, people would say I was a very confident person and I portrayed that, but in relationships, I realized how insecure I actually was and how I just kind of became this different version of myself in a relationship because I wanted it to work so badly for all the reasons we talked about before. So I think for a while I was maybe a little bit scared to get back in a relationship because I, I didn't trust myself to not go that route again. Um, Mm -hmm. and then I finally got to this point and I think this is so crucial. I got to this point of where I didn't feel like I needed to be in a relationship or to get married or to have kids and not in a negative way. Like I'm anti-marriage and I don't need a man again, back to that subtle difference of just realizing actually like, I'm very happy with myself. I'm fine spending time alone. I've got a good group of friends, you know, stuff with my family is good. I've got, you know, these different career goals and things that I'm working on. Like I'll be fine. I don't, 
I don't need somebody else or any kind of relationship status to make me happy. And, and I really, I lived in that for a while. Like I'm, I'm good. Like I don't, I don't need to date. I'm good. And then that's when I, I was then able to open myself up to somebody else in a more healthy manner. So in a way where you can healthily say you do make my life better or you don't make my life better, but I certainly am not going to have you in my life to fill a void or because I need you. Exactly. Yes. Um, how do you, cause you mentioned this when we were talking about what we're going to talk about. Um, how, how do you not be looking for it, not need it to get to a place where you're like, I don't need marriage or kids or how do you do, do that for real without mm-hmm. saying like, I'm not looking. People say it's, it comes when you're not looking and yeah. I'm not looking, but really I'm looking. Yeah. How, how, cause so like once you're. Lent period ended, I assume you were like, okay, like I'm allowed now if it comes across Mm -hmm. my way. I'm assuming you didn't just dive back in like, okay, now I'm going to go hard. But like, how, how did you change? Like, what other things do you occupy your mind with? I'm really curious. So for me, I I got into even more of like a um, introspective place of, you know, I, I just became very curious about like different like psychology. If granted I was a psychology major, so that's always kind of mm-hmm. fascinated me. And I started listening to a lot of podcasts and some of them were health related, like all the like the biohacking world interests me. Um, and then some of them were more spiritual because I really kind of changed some of my views in in that world. And, you know, I spent I became more intentional about spending like quality time with good friends where you're talking about like real life stuff. Um, I started to mend a lot of my relationships with family members, especially like my mother, because throughout all my tumultuous relationship stuff, like her and I, we, it never seemed like we were distant because we still hung out and talked all the time and everything on the surface was fine. But we had lost a little bit of that connection because of years and years of me not being completely honest with her and then, you know, her not really approving of my decision. So I worked on myself and I worked on relationships with other people. And then I, I set a bunch of goals during that time. So I set the goal that I wanted to write the book. I mean, I had, I had started journaling through Lent, but you know, then I was by no means done with the book. So then I spent a lot of time writing. Um, I set another goal that I just random stuff I'd always wanted to do. Like I always wanted to learn to play the violin. And so I took some violin lessons and then realized, no, actually I'm not really that into this. And so I didn't, I wasn't like attached to it. Like, no, I've got to, it was kind of like, I'm not enjoying this. Mm. So fine. Mm -hmm. But you know, I tried it. Um, I went, I took a trip to Africa, which was something I had wanted to do like my entire life. So I just, I was more intentional about spending my time doing things that I wanted to do and that I knew would make me feel good. I love that. So it sounds like kind of what you did was, if we want to use like a house metaphor, um, like you went back to the foundation of the house and you were like, what here is falling apart that's just been ignored, but that is going to cause this house to collapse Mm -hmm. if it's not dealt with. And you like redid the plumbing and the foundation and all that internal stuff that's not that fun. But you kind of asked yourself the question, because I do say this a lot in regards to people who are looking for relationships, like, are you really is that the thing that's missing in your mm-hmm. life? Like, is that what you're mad about? When the person ghosts you, are you this upset because a person you went on one date with didn't call you again? Or is it more that your hopes and dreams were pinned on this person instead of 
on investigating the things you really want that would really make you feel good and happy and accomplished. Exactly. So it sounds like you kind of did that and you were like, no, the foundation is crumbling. I have to deal with that first. Yeah. If a cute boy comes to help me and like stops by and brings brownies while I'm building the foundation, I will take a brownie, but I'm not going to stop what I'm doing for him. And I don't need him because I'm building the foundation. And then it sounds like you were like, okay, foundation looks good. Wallpaper furniture needs a major update which was like your fun activities Mm -hmm. you weren't just like i'm gonna delve deep into all these relationships that are hard you were also like with family and stuff you were also like now i'm gonna find who i am and what i like without someone else there telling me what that is Mm -hmm. and that way you become like a more full person you have something to talk about something to be excited about and it's not is this guy gonna call me is he gonna text me like I swear, like, there were so many times, like, when I, that people would ask me, like, oh, like, what are your hobbies? And I'd be like, uh, I, yeah, a hobby? I don't have boys. any hobbies. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, Drinking, I go out to the boys. bar. Yeah. And yeah. then I would always like, God, I should have an answer to that question. So I started reading more and, you know, so then I was like, oh, I like to read and I write and I, you know, work out and I watch the sunrise when I can. I, I like, I filled uh, out my hobbies that were things that I had always wanted to do. Yeah, I love that. So then how did it go as you kind of like dipped your toe back in or met the person that you're seeing now? Did you have some residual? Because even though this is all very easy to say and sounds wonderful, we still like when we get excited about a boy, we want them to call us. You know, we're like, all of a sudden, I don't care about books anymore. Like, Yeah, I'd love to say that, um, oh, yeah, you know, I just did all this self-reflection and didn't date for a while and I figured it all out. And then, you know, exactly. So I just fixed my foundation, all stuff. No, um, there was definitely like I, an ex-boyfriend came back, um, stepped on the foundation and immediately started to crumble. I realized that was like, ah, here I go again. Good. You had to test it. That was the test. Yep. And then, then I tried to really open myself up more to, to being available to dating. Um, kind of had this one, you know, uh, a little bit of dating with this one guy who was actually ironically out of town and, and I caught myself going down the same roads I used to. I was just, I was aware of it now. Like it, it wasn't like it happened so quickly that I, I didn't recognize it. Like I recognized it now. So, you know, when he seemed different via text, I at first didn't freak out because it was like, okay, hold on. Like, it's just like, don't overanalyze this. And instead I was adult about it and like, called it out like hey what's going on blah, blah blah and then we had an adult conversation and realized actually this long distance thing didn't make any sense so done goodbye you know you're great but no hard feelings um and then i then i dated somebody else and that was that was a very healthy relationship for me so it's like i i just kind of slowly got rid of all my baggage and that's why i mean i i do believe in relationships because I think they help us go further because we can Mm. identify our own our own issues and and that's Mm -hmm. important step number one but then where that all plays out and gets triggered and you've got to overcome it is in relationships so totally the whole Lenten experience was really me figuring them out and then as I started to get back into the dating world it was like oh yep there's one of those I'm doing it again like nope 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 and and just kind of try and build that that muscle um, and now the relationship I'm in is, is by far the healthiest relationship I've ever been in. Um, I feel much more like myself. I feel very comfortable, which makes, 
um, our relationship a lot of fun. You know, we we laugh a lot, and and there are some of those moments that I'll I'll catch myself kind of freaking out over something, and now I just I give it enough space to be like, okay. Is this something having to do with him? Is it something that having to do with the relationship, or is it something having to do with me? And depending that. on that answer, like maybe it's something I don't need to break bring up with him, and instead it's just something I work through on myself. Totally. And so now it's like I'm just I'm not so quick to react because um, I can be very emotional now that I'm back in touch with my emotions. So, you know, rather than immediately be upset and then you start to play all those games like you do where, you know, you get quiet and they ask what's wrong. You're like nothing and all that stuff. Like I still I do just, that. <laughs> I'll do it a little bit because it's because I'm trying to process. Is this something yeah. worth talking about? Sometimes you about? need a minute. But yeah. also like you have habits and it's just really good if you know when you're doing them, even if you can't immediately stop yourself. Right. Because we're human. If you can be like, I'm doing that. Why am I doing that? Do exactly. I need to have the exact same reaction that I always do? Or can I do some, can I try something different? Yes. And I think that why question is so important. Like if you ask yourself, okay, why, why am I really upset right now? Right. And then like, okay, right. why does that bother me? And it's, it's kind of rubbing up against something in, in you and identifying that is, is hard sometimes. And even once you identify it, then sometimes you don't necessarily understand it. Like some of our, our wounds, I guess, are really deep. And so that's where we, I think, have to be patient with ourselves that they're going to take a minute to heal, which I'm not always the most patient person. So I'm, I'm definitely still in process, but I'm definitely, um, I'm in a much healthier place in all my relationships now than I was two years ago. I think that's so beautiful and amazing. Like, and, and I, I can definitely say that I'm trying to do the same thing. I also have a wonderful patient partner who well, he's been in a lot of therapy. So he'll just be like, are you really upset about, is this what this is really about? And most of the time, if I trace it back, I can be like, no, I'm really upset about this thing that happened that has nothing to do with you. Yep. Or, no, this really is about you and I need to talk about it. And then even still, I might be wrong. Mm -hmm. But being able to have that conversation and not just explode, and I think that translates to dating. Like, why am why is this defining my day if this person I went on one date with doesn't want to go on another date with me yeah. or disappeared? And I'm, I'm trying to do the Lord's work of getting people not to ghost anymore but it's still going to happen for whatever reason. And people don't want to have the uncomfortable conversation. Exactly. Whether you're in the dating world or even it gets difficult, as you know, in a relationship, mm -hmm. it, we all skirt around them. And ultimately it's always better to be honest, not, you know, totally. super blunt and rude, but to have the uncomfortable conversations in all aspects of our life. And I think people ghost because they're, they're not, willing to just say, you know what, I had fun with you, but you know, I, I don't want this to go further or, you know, whatever, like whatever the reason is, there's a way to say it. And for the most part, when people do that, the other person appreciates that honesty so much, much more yes. than being ghosted. So much. If people, people are always like, wow, thank you for telling me when yes. it's just like, I didn't feel a romantic spark. That is so much less a rejection than just disappearing. If they disappear for some reason inside, we go, wow, I'm not even worth a response. Like I mean that little to them. I'm like a speck of dust on their shoe. And that's where we take it to the super personal place when what yep. we need to understand is like, 
they just aren't good at communicating. That's probably not someone we want to be with anyway. So rather than obsessing about what we did wrong, we should say, okay, not the right person for me. And also if I'm freaking out, what is this really about? Is this because I'm not where I'm at, want to be at with something else like my career or my relationship with my mom or I haven't read a good book in a while or whatever it is, you know, like getting to the root of what are we really upset about? It's usually not the ghosting from a person that we met one time. Exactly. I completely agree. So is there anything else? So I talk to a lot of people who are in the dating world who are struggling, a lot of people in their 20s who haven't had maybe as much relationship or life experience would you recommend this method would you start with a maybe more baby step for them what would you say if they're just like everybody goes me i hate dating dating's the worst i hate it no one wants to be in a relationship men are the worst girls are the worst everyone you know the yeah. mantra yeah uh, what would you what would you kind of say to um, that person? I, I would recommend maybe taking a, a little step back and so maybe that isn't completely giving it up like I did. But if you're on, you know, a bunch of dating apps and and dating, you know, multiple times a week, maybe just cut that back. Like give yourself a little you time, like go on dates with yourself as well. And then I would also say like, I, I, I'm not against any of the apps by any means, like that is the world we live in today. But I do still believe the organic way of meeting somebody is is very possible. And that's a little bit in your control because you're either continuing to expand the people that you interact with on a daily mm-hmm. basis mm-hmm. or you're not. Because I mean, if you go to work and then you go, you know, to happy hour to the same place with the same people every Friday and, you know, you're constantly doing the same thing, then you're not putting yourself in any scenarios where you might meet somebody new. And I don't mean just then go to a different bar, but go do something different, like get out of your comfort zone, you know, talk to people, meet new people. Like I think we, we are very routine focused, so it's very easy to kind of have our little routine and with our little circle of people that we hang out with and we talk to. But if you can continue to expand that circle, maybe you meet Mr. Right, or maybe you meet Mr. Right's you know, best friend or cousin, like it's just, the more you expand who you're interacting with, um, I think the higher the chances are that you'll meet somebody organically. And then what's nice about that is there isn't so much of that awkward pressure of like you're meeting on a date. It's just, oh, hey, here's this person that I unexpectedly have this connection with. Right. And and then I think it's easier to stay out of your head a little bit because it's like, oh, I met him and I was attracted to him and he clearly was attracted to me. He asked for my number or, you know, whatever. Well, and also, even if that doesn't happen, and I love that. I'm a huge fan of doing stuff to meet people in real life. But even if that doesn't happen, like you said, it's going to make you a more interesting, happier, more well-rounded person. And for yes. you as a person, that's good. And the happier you are on your own and as a well-rounded person and you have things in your life other than who is or isn't texting me, the better off you're going to be because we don't know when the relationship is going to happen. We don't know when we're going to meet our person and we have to enjoy the journey along the way. And it can't all be about just focusing on that. It has to be, I'm enjoying my life even when I'm not in a relationship or dating Mm -hmm. anyone. Another quick question. You said that like when you did the Lent thing, you tried not to look at men and look at their ring fingers or whatever. That's definitely something I do as a dating person, but I've always done it. Um, what would you say, how, then what did you, when you felt your mind kind of going in that direction, because it is such a kind of like habit that we do, mm-hmm. um, what, 
what would you say to that person to kind of redirect? I think it's like, um, it's, it's almost like building a muscle. So it's like, you just catch yourself and then you like, you're just aware of be like, Oh, nope, don't do that. And then if you just keep catching yourself doing it be like, Nope, don't do that. Eventually you'll break that, that habit. It, and that doesn't make you feel kind of like you're doing something bad or you're like, you need to kind of stop and punish. Like, I'm wondering if there's a way, like something else. I love your why thing of like, if there's some other thought you can have instead of like, just don't do that. But like, do think about this instead. Like, Right. Well, I would say like, then do actually just be with whoever you're out with. Like instead Mm -hmm. of sitting and talking to your friend, but you're scanning the room for guys, actually sit and talk with your friend because um, back to the multitasking that we were talking about in the mm-hmm. beginning of the episode, like we, you, and I catch myself doing it all the time. I'll be in a conversation with somebody and then all of a sudden my mind is thinking, you know, oh, I need to do this. I need to do that. And then it's like, whoa, Casey, come back to the conversation yeah, you're having. Totally. Like look this person in the eye and actually actively listen to them. Cause if you're really fully in the moment with whoever you're hanging out with, then you're not scanning the room for guys. So then like to your point, it's not this, Oh, no, that's bad. Don't do that. It's more, I'm just really am here with my friend. Yes. And then if you are going to scan for guys, do it fully and tell yeah. your friend to do it with you. Yeah. Let's, <laughs> Let's exactly. look for Let's guys. Let's around the I, room. Yes. Yeah. I'm into that too. And, and I also think in addition to what you're saying about taking a break, maybe one day from a dating app or focusing on meeting people in real life, I would say social media ties in very closely with that in this constant looking outward at other people to see what they're doing and what we should be doing. And I think if you can also, if you're going to be a person that's like, I need a break from dating, you probably also need a break from social media and all the memes and messaging that's out there about dating, about significant others, about how you should or shouldn't do it. You should just be, what do I feel like doing that does not involve swiping something on my phone that I could actually enjoy by myself or with another person. Exactly. Like stop focusing on all the external stuff and just kind of refocus inward and be like, all right, what do I want to do right now? Or like, who do I want to hang out with? And just, yeah, kind of remove all the distractions. I love this. You have been so inspiring to me. I feel better. Um, I'm going to promote you and then we'll wrap up. I can't promote you as a single, unfortunately, because you are in a relationship. Good for you. We're very happy for you. (laughs) Thank you. But I love your journey and I love how long it took you to get there and like the ups and downs of all of it. And I tell everyone like have a lot of bad experiences too, because they're very, very valuable. And if anything, if you ever want to write a book, it gives you great material. Exactly. It's all material. It's all people research. Yeah. Um, you are Casey Maine, which is spelled K-A-C-I-E. And your last name is Maine, like Main Street, M-A-I-N. Mm-hmm. Your website is CaseyMaine.com. You mm-hmm. have an awesome blog with all of these thoughts. People should read your book, which I believe is on Audible. Yes, it's Amazon, and- Kindle, and Audible. And, and I read called, the Audible, so if you enjoy my voice... Oh, I then, do enjoy you know, your voice. Six and a half yes, hours I really do. <laughs> <laughs> I gave up Men for Lent is yep. the name of it. Yep. And if you want to hear more about this journey, if it calls out to you, if you think, I could use a little break, of course, I'm here to tell you when it's time to pull up your pants and get back in the dating ring. But I also believe in this way, it is great to take a break and ask yourself if you're having those negative messages 
and reactions in your head over and over again. What is this really about and why? And I just love that so much. And thank you so much for joining me. I would love to have you back sometime and hear about how things are going. I know you're also planning a sequel for the book, so I can't wait to hear what that is going to be. So we'll definitely have you back. Um, And thank you so much. Thank you. Bye, Casey. Bye. Just the tip, a dating tip. I really loved what Casey said about finding things she was interested in, really taking time for herself. It's totally up to you if you want to take a break from dating. You can do it for a weekend. You can do it for a day. You can try her challenge of just when you find your mind wandering to that obsessiveness again, kind of redirecting to something else, to the person you're with, to the couch you're sitting on. Another thing I would say um, that I think would be fun is if you find yourself kind of mindlessly scrolling through social media, Instagram, or even a dating app, and you like a guy or a picture or someone you follow, something they posted, you like it, ask yourself why. Ask yourself what you liked about it. And let's say it was like a puppy or a cake. I'm literally listing the things that I like. Um, Or, you know, some sort of sex blog, whatever it is. Once you've liked it, ask yourself why, ask what it is about that, and then decide to go do something having to do with that. So if it's a puppy, go be like this Saturday, instead of like getting brunch again, I'm going to go volunteer at a dog shelter. I'm going to walk dogs. Or if it's a pie, be like this Saturday, instead of going and eating pie again, I'm going to make a pie and I'm going to invite a friend over to do it with me. Or let's say it's a, I don't know, fashion what do fashion people do? I know nothing about fashion, but what, what you know, it, oh, I like this like fashion. I'm going to go to a flea market and I'm going to give myself $20 to buy an entirely new outfit, or I'm going to design a dress on some website. I'm sure there's a place you can do that, but you know what I mean? Like, like you can do things having to do with the things you're liking on social media rather than just sitting on a couch wistfully thinking, oh, I wish I could do that, or I could have that, or that was my life, or something. Or even if you like a person on a dating app, be like, what did I like about them? What did I respond to? I really like that thing he said about politics, or I really like that thing she said about cooking. You can do that. You don't need another person to bring that into your life. You have the power at any given time to get up and do something different, like Casey said. So I would encourage you, Whether you want to take a break from it or not, you can add on rather than taking away uh, something new. The next thing that catches your eye that interests you, dig a little deeper. Go a little beyond the double tap and the, that was cool, or I wish that was me, and go into how can I make that me, not make it you, but you know what I mean. How can I take what I liked about it and incorporate it into my life knowing I don't have to wait for someone else to allow me to do it? If you have questions, comments, thoughts, anything, you can email us at notyourtherapistpodcast at gmail.com. You can reach out to us on Instagram, notyourtherapistpodcast. Thank you for listening, rating, and reviewing, which is very important to us. Thank you to Casey Main, who is an amazing author who wrote I Gave Up Men for Lent, which you can find in all those places she said. You can also find her on her website, caseymain.com. Um, Thank you to my beautiful producer, Christine Bartolucci, Melissa Gruen, all of you for listening and for making dating fun.